0: We just heard from Laura Walton, who is the president of the union representing the school's support workers that are now uh, willing to walk off the job as of Monday if they do not reach a deal over the weekend. The talks are set to begin at 4.30 tomorrow, and we're now joined by Stephen Lecce, who is the education minister. Welcome to the show. Good to have you on.
1: Good morning, Kelly. Great to be with you.
0: So 4:30 tomorrow talks begin again. Um, you said to Peter Sherman yesterday, who was filling in Jeff, for Jeff MacArthur, that on Sunday you told the mediator to book dates to resume talks. Did he drop yes. the ball? What's what's the problem? Where was the lost uh, days uh, that w- that we could have been negotiating? Yeah.
1: No, I listen. I shared the concern. I mean, the fact is, just for context, for folks, on Sunday we were actually very close to getting a deal. That's I think what's a, perhaps a bit perplexing and confusing. And, somewhat unfortunate for a lot of families out there saying why are we at this point on Sunday we almost had a deal then they walked away that's their choice and I respect that I guess they can make that determination and then we instead of huffing and puffing we remain mission oriented to get a deal what I did is I extended additional dates through the mediator offered it to the union now as you know the union received those dates and just yesterday communicated they would accept them which it was scheduled for Friday so what you know 24 hours later so I can't speak to what delayed it. We remain totally um, on ready to meet. In fact, I was prepared to meet, continue negotiating on Sunday. I wouldn't have walked away from the table, to be frank. But that's the choice they made.
0: You know, it's but funny I, that you say I wouldn't have walked away from the table, Stephen. Hey, I found out something t- today that I found shocking just moments ago, and I don't think this is I don't think this is um, something that everybody is aware of. You're actually not at the table.
1: Well, I mean, our negotiators are. the Yeah, the, I know. But
0: when you say when like, you say I would have stayed at the table, I think we're all assuming you're wearing a suit and like slunging it out at the table. No, so I, so you're not actually there.
1: I think people I mean, I, I think people expect that negotiators and, and lawyers do this, to be honest with you. I, I would uh, maybe somewhat challenge that. But I think the bottom line is. Um people expect that when we say we, that our parties, our representatives, uh, our emissaries would remain negotiating, not walk away from a deal that mm. could have been had then, that remains to be had, that could be had today. But the bottom line is, I mean, that's a bit sort of in the weeds. I think for, for folks at home, we have an ability to reach a deal, notwithstanding, I think, some of the headlines and some of the insecurity or anxiety that manifests during these days, you know, um, you know, deadline bargaining and pressurized envir- environments, Kelly, is not unique. This is this is the one thing that unites our Tories, Liberals, and Democrats. We've all faced this. And I just want, at the end of the day, to focus in on getting a deal, remaining results-oriented and mission-oriented. Yeah. So when when, uh, when I say we're going to stay at the table, we, the Crown, the government, are going to be at the table every day. Now, they, for sure.
0: And they, what they I want to say, and time. I think I want to clarify this, because uh, when we first spoke, the first time I ever met you was on this show, and I uh, was incredibly Uh, impressed by you. And I think a lot of people are. I think a lot of people are like, hey, who's this Stephen Lecce guy? Because you're well, you're you're you present your thoughts. Well, you are you seem to be very level headed. So I think that when you know, you do say we're at the table, I, I, you know, wouldn't have walked away. I think that the thought is, what if you were there? I mean, the anticipation is that everyone is as level headed and as calm as you are. So when we find out from uh laura walton today that there's some shenanigans going on that that she said you know they were unaware of and it it, it amounts to the buzzer and she had basically said that everybody agreed that the buzzer would be handed over to the principal because the buzzer is used to open one door a centralized door because schools can go down into into lockdown now and she found out this i want to play a clip for you have a listen to this the key factor was having you know reports come in across the province of schools being left completely unopened rather than administration taking responsibility for the buzzer. That was a huge concern for us. That was a huge concern for us. So that means that uh, the action of the the Council of Trustees, the representatives for the school board, could be responsible for a sudden escalation of support workers in the 48 hours of work-to-rule calling a full strike.
1: Yeah, well, I I appreciate your observation of my sense of calm. I'm going to try to remain... uh with that spirit and that disposition throughout. But I think, you know, the fact is, uh, you know, that's what they're saying. I mean, I've also heard folks say that they've escalated this within 48 hours. Remember, last time this, this went down, under the former Liberal government, to their credit, I mean, there was six weeks of partial withdrawal of service until they escalated further. So there's something different here that apparently is very unique to this circumstance. I've not heard of a singular example that's been bona fide or, or proven. I mean, they've made that assertion in a press conference yesterday, as I understand. She was asked, the union leader was asked, Where? cite an example, and she couldn't name one, which I think is telling. But look, I'm not going to submit it has not happened, and maybe it has. I just wish that it was proven. All I can say is the safety of kids should not be compromised. But I just, I'm, you know, I'm not saying I don't buy it, but it just seems peculiar. In can I just,
0: because are you alluding to this? There's a McMaster University prof who's suggesting a strike would be a bit of a wild card for the federal election. Do you think... Maybe the union is deliberately escalating things ahead of the federal election. Are they, when you alluded yesterday that they could be playing politics, I figured that that meant that you were referring to, you know, union reps and, and people that work for unions, you know, trying to prove themselves so they can be reelected again and keep their job. But were you actually alluding to the federal election? You know,
1: I was referring to politicians just, you know, in trying to insert themselves and to politicize the negotiation that otherwise should not uh, have a partisanship. Look, I mean, you may find this ironic, Kelly, but as a politician, as a public servant, I actually think we need less politicians trying to inject their own political self-interest into a process that actually isn't about them. And to, with respect we to our Prime Minister, who you know went after the Premier on this, it's like, sir, with great respect, it isn't about you. It's about two million young people who want to be in class. So stop putting your own narrow self-interest ahead of the negotiated settlement that is so clearly in the interest of everyone. Now, to the unions themselves, I, I don't know. I, I'm not sure I've really settled on, on where I think what sort of is driving the determination. All I'm saying is there's something odd. It is peculiar. It is unprecedented. But at the end of the day, for families listening, they probably don't give a hoot. All they want is for us to get back to the table. They've, 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 they've you know accepted our offer. And I'm looking forward for our parties, our lawyers, to be meeting and sitting throughout the weekend with a singular focus of getting a deal. The premier was very clear to me. He wants a deal in this province. He wants kids in the classroom. I share that ambition. We're going to work very hard over the coming days, pretty much all weekend and whatever it takes to get a deal. And I just wish that that principle, that spirit is being matched by my other colleagues.
0: You know, I found this out yesterday that the the premier is walking back the uh, the cuts the 67 million dollar cuts on that child benefit uh, it's not the first time he's reversed announcements you know cuts to funding for municipalities he's walked those back and and cuts to children with autism he's walked those back you know the fact that this premier walks back things that he is determined to have done uh i would assume it makes negotiation hard for you guys uh because it kind of shows that if uh, there's enough support the other way, that this is a, a government that's willing to cave.
1: You know, I think the premier is 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 a, is, is a person that is governed by a sense of conviction. I mean, he knows uh, what he—I he, believe in his heart—knows what needs to be done to transform and unleash the economic potential of the province. I think he's also demonstrated as an element of leadership his willingness to listen to the population. I mean, often we're—you know—politicians are criticized for being so dogmatic, so rigid. Um, You know, so unyielding at a time when they need to be reasonable. And I think we've demonstrated that flexibility at the table because we want a deal. I don't. I wouldn't suggest that's. uh, I wouldn't suggest that's a criticism. I would submit that's probably an important part of political leadership is understanding that it. You know, it takes two to tangle. You got to be reasonable in this job. The premier, at the end of the day, he's in. You know, he's making a choice to invest in the areas that matter and public education. Yeah,
0: but he's incredibly unpopular right now.
1: Well, I think at the end of the day, you know, it's not about political expediencies, but doing what's right. You know, polls go up and they go down. I think the only thing that fundamentally matters is that people in the province know that there's a singular political vehicle in the legislature and really in this province that's fighting for affordability and ultimately fighting to keep kids in class. We're doing that every single day. So, you know... Um, you know the the toughest decisions i think are often sometimes you know not the most popular in their first iteration but over time i think people come to the realization the living within your means cutting taxes you know making our province a more uh, more uh, you know sound place to invest and ultimately ensuring the sustainability of the services you and i depend on from health care to education i mean look when we're expending a billion dollars a month on interest i mean you don't have to be a conservative to tell me that's preposterous we're spending 12 billion dollars a month on interest just to service the debt and yet we spend more on that than hospitals in the province. We can do better and I represent 2 million young people in Ontario. Intergenerational debt is morally wrong. It's one generation passing debt to the next. When did that become a Canadian principle let alone a conservative principle? I was raised by immigrant parents who said you live within your means, you give back, you're charitable, you save for a rainy day. The government should be able to invest in core services like health and education while still reducing the area's um where there's needless waste and duplication and I think everyone Even liberals have got to accept the premise that there's a lot of waste in government. Small g, all colors, the rainbow. We could all do better. So we're going to do better. And we're we're going to take that approach in every level of government. But in education, we're going to continue investing. In fact, investments are up. That's $700 million. They're up in special education. They're up in French language. They're up in transportation. We've doubled the mental health portfolio. I mean, in in education, we've done so much. And I want to make sure folks understand those facts.
0: We're speaking with Stephen Lecce, who's our education minister. Okay, let's get down to... To the nitty gritty here, Stephen, you brought up dollars here. What are what are your sticking points within the negotiation with the support workers union? Where are you stuck? Where is the major uh, block here?
1: Honestly, Kelly, I wouldn't say there's any one issue that fundamentally impedes a negotiation. I mean, I mean, don't get me wrong. We actually got really close. We remain really close. A big issue that they had was on job security. I think we found a very happy medium uh, to, to move that forward in a collaborative way that it gives them what they want and we achieve what we wanted. Uh, but I think the one issue that's sort of standing out, I wouldn't say it's the issue that's going to define the debate, but it's a, a fundamental issue, relates to absenteeism
0: yeah, I mean, that's the what the union thinks your sticking problem is,
1: well, I mean, I think a lot of folks out there just realize that the cost of the sector's education, you know, every day. what is the cost? Well, on the day where so for for a sick day at hundred percent, which is as you know, No, but
0: what's that, the cost in the province the like where's the worry
1: yeah i i'll I'm just explain the context. so for a sick day at hundred percent, it's thirty five million dollars every day
0: every panic. day
1: every day where there's a sick day uh, over the 35 that's that's what we're talking about over 35 million dollars of cost and that is massive across the sector and now what my point is simply this it's not even a fiscal imperative kelly like i hear you yeah it sounds like a lot especially you know when you when you scale that up over successive dates my point is it's not even about the money. It's about the kids who have this revolving door experience where they don't have a sense of permanency of staff in the class. A child with, you know, we talked about, you know, autism. You mentioned that earlier. Well, a child with, with intellectual or developmental disability, a child with ASD, they need an EA that's predictable, that's there every day. Any change to their regimen could be really, you know, quite shattering to their, their disposition and their mood and their ability to succeed that day. Now, I get people will be ill. People get sick, there's bereavement, there's circumstance. I totally get that. And we've got a system that's generous and, and compassionate that's there for them. But at the end of the day, why is it that in this one sector, even versus teachers, that the QP workers have almost twice more than edu- than educators vis-a-vis their sick days? Why is it?
0: I believe so I heard them say the it was community because community. of the escalating violence in schools. Do you believe that?
1: Well, teachers, I mean, to be fair, are in those same classrooms, right? I mean, I, I, just, I just think there's something unique here. I mean, we're talking about more than 15 days, well over the private sector, well over the ed- teachers. There's something odd here. So, what I'm simply saying is we need to have a somber discussion about it, but I don't want folks to think, not with saying that it costs boards of education hundreds of millions of dollars every single year. My point is let's make this less about the number and more about the impact to the child, and more so my point is to my colleagues in the unions, there's a way to bring some of those savings, reinvest them in the front lines. I mean, this is not an objective of fiscal restraint. This is about saying, look, let's reinvest those dollars in where it counts for your child. I mean, why is it that we're defending, you know, back office or administrative uh, or entitlement protection when we know that there's an opportunity to help these kids who are, in many cases, vulnerable and need more support?
0: I think we've it's just got a glimpse talking with uh, Laura Walton and and you, Stephen, on why it's so difficult to get a deal done at the negotiating table, because it sounds like everybody's got the same goal in mind, and that's the stability and safety of the kids. But at the end of the day, you guys are approaching it from different directions.
1: Yeah, you know, Kelly, I think fundamentally all the parties, you know, I I think in the heart of hearts, you know, we would rather uh, a voluntary negotiated settlement. I, I think that historically that's really been the only way forward, and it's been the best option for all parties. I think what I have some concerns with in the context of safety is, you know, they provided a... Oops! Did we? Sorry, just had a little bus Okay, yeah. me. We okay. heard it. Nope, um, oh, I'm so sorry. Uh, but uh, I, um, you know, this, they provided a directive on Monday. Things you can't do to their workers. Direction on to. Do. So the sixth item on their list was not to administer medicine, for example, to to
0: sick kids. Yeah, you know so what, Stephen? I, mean, I got to call you on that because I wasn't going to ask you about that because she had explained stuff. But I got that same list, and I don't have number six at that. Where, where are you getting that from? What list?
1: Uh, the they put out a direction to clerical workers. On actions they ought not be taking, and this was a an item enumerated on that list.
0: Yeah, number but six, declare actual... clerical workers
1: Yep, that's right. So, I mean, the point is not to obsess about its sort of sequencey, but I it's think number
0: seven, is... by the way.
1: Oh, yeah, you know, let you know, but okay. Number I'm seven. just
0: not not to you know.
1: I get it. Poke but holes in is... it,
0: but I but it is number it's seven, right. and that's why I didn't see it. So that you are correct, it is in there.
1: And and the bottom line is. You know, it's not. I'm not suggesting, my goodness, that there's any, uh, you know, plan to undermine student safety. It's Just like, why put that in there? Why would mm-hmm. we even, even entertain a concept of, of, of creating insecurity in the class? So my point is, let's just have a sober, a somber reflection of what our duties are. Let's get back at the table. Let's not do anything that could probably be problematic for these let's kids. Let's
0: be decent these human things. beings
1: let's just be human beings. Like, I mean, let, let like, like let humanism and decency prevail because we're talking about vulnerable kids, even regard respect of their ability. I mean, at the end of the day, we should not be in a cyclical process, Kelly where every three years, families in Ontario have to deal with this type of, a labor unrest. And this is the reality. It is frustrating, I'm sure, for many. I just want families to know that I am going to remain like a laser beam on getting a deal for their children. That's all right. the bottom line, and that's my mission.
0: Have you had a chat with the Council of Trustees on not messing this up again?
1: <laughs> well, I mean, we, we're we always in touch with, uh, with all three parties, to be yep. fair. And you know, I'm not sure I'd accept the premise it was on them or you know. Well,
0: if it is, if the if she couldn't cite which school, like if you know she was getting reports back that it was a school and she couldn't cite which school, and let's say she has the information that it was like one or two schools, there they have to be you know you have to make sure that everybody's in line and on the same page. On, yeah, on what's I, right, you know, if we're talking about if we're going to call the unions out on not being decent people administering uh, medication, then I think you also have to call out the uh, the the council of, of trustees okay. on the same and thing.
1: I, but I'm calling up, I'm calling up the, the the directive. Yeah, I think I think the QP members to their credit would not probably follow something that would compromise. I know many QP members; they're mm-hmm. decent people. They really are decent folks. They work hard. I know many of them, they've all said that we'll never compromise the safety of children. This is not about the member. It's more about the direction from the leadership. But at the end of the day, I think for folks where we're at, is they've escalated this decision. We're meeting tomorrow, and I want them to know that the government is going to remain mission-oriented on getting a deal. Uh, We could all do better, and I think if we all sit down and hunker down, we should be able to get a pathway to a negotiated settlement that is I think good for students and for, and good for the workers.
0: All right, I have about 30 seconds left, because as you can surmise, I could take this thing for 45 minutes with yes. you. Um, will schools have to close on Monday if they go on strike?
1: You know, my hope certainly is to avoid that situation. I expect schools to remain open. Uh, you know, the, even the, one of the teachers union members, uh, leaders said that the, he expects his members, teachers to be in class. So, you know, I think we ought to avert that situation. I think there's a pathway to get... A negotiated settlement and i certainly expect workers to be uh, in class uh, supporting their kids on monday
0: will you legislate these people back to work in, if they strike i just don't think kelly I mean, you know look i
1: get this question often and it, it, the fact is i have not exhausted myself let alone you know as an obligation to parents that we've utilized every tool in the toolkit at this point to get a negotiated voluntary settlement until i have done that and i've taken, invoked every option and Um, you know uh, and and legal and otherwise that could help drive an outcome of a deal i'm not going to go there i think there is a pathway to get it this has happened before folks of all parties Mm -hmm. pressurized environments deadline bargaining and yet deals have been made so just know that we are on it we are focused on getting a deal and we're not going to be deterred notwithstanding the headlines and the noise and all the different pressurization uh, approaches that could be invoked. i'm not going to really. I remove myself from um, pushing my negotiators to get a deal because that's what students deserve and that's what parents want. They want predictability in the sector.
0: All right, can I ask you this one favor?
1: And then I'm going, yes can, sir, can
0: ma'am. We, <laughs> Sir. Ma'am, ma'am. And that's even worse. You know? Stephen, that is even worse. Kelly, uh, since you you've madam me win, three times, Kelly. ma'am is like the F word to me. Um, can people call me sir? I mean, well, no, I know I because you're, you're a man. Well, I, well, yes. The, 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 the. How is sir offensive to a man? Okay, let's just, uh, on a very human note, if we could, can we oh, abolish God. you ever using I'm going to use every tool in the toolkit expression again? It is so overused.
1: You know what? I I can commit to you to take that under advisement, Kelly. Look, you know what? I No, that's I'll, all I, I need. I that's call.
0: all I need. I got to wrap this up. I'm missing my commercial break, Stephen. Okay, adios. Charlie. All right, Thank you. bye. <laughs> Stephen Lecce.